0: When I was a kid, I laid awake at night. I heard the sounds of trains. There's a lot of things I didn't understand. A lot of things I'd do different if I could. I don't want to be criticized. Nobody takes me serious here. Like you? Who in the hell says I gotta like let go of this? How can I let go of this? It's who I am. It's all I know. I wish they froze me in a block of ice until it was my time and I was ready to make my move. Before I started doing this acting stuff, I was afraid to get up in front of me. I didn't go to
1: the moon. I went much further. Right now, what kind of theater does this country need? How about a theater with black and brown actors who had been convicted of serious crimes and had spent years in prison? Actors who want a chance in a society that has no time for them. Actors who ache for change. You know, that kind of a theater. For the last decade, Richard Holder has taught acting at Otisville State Prison and has formed a company of formerly incarcerated men studying the art of acting at HB Studio. Prison Monologues is a podcast that reveals the actor and his story. I didn't go to the moon. I went much further. Hey Sam, how you doing?
0: How you doing?
1: All right. Uh, you,
0: you have a voice. You have a voice for print and a face
2: for radio. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah,
1: we. Uh, we uh, who are you talking to, me or Rich? He's talking to for you. About,
2: for, for both, for <laughs> you gentlemen. There's enough love to go around, man. Yeah. I don't want anybody to get jealous.
1: Plenty, plenty of insults yeah. to go around. Yeah.
2: He's gonna be outdoors. Oh. But he's just gonna sit down at some point, right? Tom, right? Sam. Of course. Um, I'm not a neophyte, Rich. That's I right. You are You are not. The last thing you are is a neophyte when it comes to this business.
1: You could talk anywhere. Absolutely.
2: I'm, I'm working on it, man. I'm trying to be a saboteur. A,
0: saboteur. a saboteur.
2: saboteur. Well, you're trying not to be a saboteur.
0: Oh, I'm trying not to be a
2: saboteur. Okay? That's right. right. I, I thought a saboteur was a good thing. All right. No, no. Saboteur is not a good thing.
1: Well, unless you're sabotaging something that needs to be sabotaged.
2: Well, but that's uh, it's, does anything need to be sabotaged? Where Where I'm are you now?
0: I'm in Soho.
1: Ah, I'm not, too,
0: I'm not too far from where I work at.
1: And where are you heading towards?
0: I don't know right now. I'm trying to find a nice little block with all the struggling artists to show of who the real artist is around these parts. You, you. you know, Soho is mine.
1: See, this is where we get to be outside. It's a cold day today. Yeah.
0: I take off my glove, my mittens at work.
1: Oh boy. My
0: other job. I found oh. a nice little of area.
1: Are there a lot of people around?
0: No. No. Yeah.
2: The sheets are dead. Yeah. Until further notice. Whereabouts are you at? I use that's my old stomping ground, Soho. Where are you at? Howard Street and Broadway and Howard. Oh, so you're not even yeah, you're that's more a lower east side, really.
0: Yeah, I found I found a spot with some artwork.
1: Looks <laughs> good. Great. We are uh, so glad to have Sam Johnson with us. Uh, I'm joined by Rich Holler, and I'm Alan Winson for this Prison Monologues episode. My Barkroll Radio partner, my other podcast that I do, Rebecca McCain, and I spoke with Sam in March of 2020, just before the city locked down, and uh, Sam... It's good to see yes, you. Yes, sir. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, thank,
0: thank you, man. It's a it's a pleasure to be back.
1: So are you still living with your mom and dog and your sister? And the cat. Yeah. And Well, the cat. well
0: my, si- my sister is not there anymore. My mom is going to Africa, so she's going to be me, my dog, and the cat. We've got wow. a new cat now.
1: What is your mom going to Africa for?
0: Oh, it's see family. It's been 30 years. What country? Sierra Leone, West Africa.
1: Wow. Have you been there?
0: Oh no, not yet. Not yet. I'm working on it. Yeah. Everybody's from there except me and my sister. We're both both my sisters. Me and my sisters are, are first generation.
1: So so do you have a lot of family in Sierra Leone?
0: Yeah. I have on my mother's side, I have aunts and cousins I haven't seen, and I got a couple family members in England as well from Sierra Leone. They either they either stay in Sierra Leone. They come to the states, or they go to England or Scotland.
1: Wow, you guys—you guys are international. That's that's wonderful. Well, I I look forward to when you you go over and we could hear what what you saw. All right. I bet I bet yeah, you're looking yeah. forward to that. We talked with you in March, at the uh, John Jay College podcast studio, and just right after that, after we talked with you and and, and Christopher uh, Christopher Lee, everything closed down. Uh, yes, so sir. So how how was your summer? Right now we're, summer. we're kind of in winter now, but how was your summer?
0: It was I guess it was actually, It was it was still my summer because this was my first summer home, so I I enjoyed it. I rode, I bought, I purchased a bicycle, and I rode on my bike until it broke on me. I I did a, I went to the beach. I worked out. I met a lot of cool people. I went to 20 parks in New York City. Worked out some more, and then I got knee surgery. I had a torn ACL. You're working out so too that, much. No, actually, I got it from playing sports uh, in prison. So, uh, like, I'm done with sports. I'm no, I'm no longer playing sports. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm still working
1: out. Right, but the, the bike, the bike is great for that uh, that injury because I've been riding a bike my whole life, and I had that meniscus injury thing. Yeah, yeah, they had it. The mine was,
0: the was ACL, MCL, meniscus, and some patella and cartilage damage.
1: Listen, Sam, we begin yes, these prison monologue shows with our actors doing something for us, performing a piece for us. Do you have something for us? Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Rich, maybe, is- maybe Rich wants to introduce it.
2: Is this <clears throat> this is the piece from uh, from Talk to Me, right, Sam? Yes, sir. All right. So this is a kind of a wild, irreverent uh, piece from, from uh, Talk to Me that Sam grabbed onto and ran with. And uh, and the other day when I checked in with him, I said, you still know that? And he just spit the whole thing out, right wow. right, right on, on the call. So I, I think he's ready to go. Great. So this is uh this You ready? Is... Yep, we are ready.
0: All right, okay. Listen to greatness. All right. When we moved here, my parents wanted me to go to the best public schools available. So we got this tiny ass apartment right next to these million dollar homes and I went to school with white kids. Mind you, I didn't see white people before. I was just never really friends with one. First day of school, just like I was always dressed, which was fly, especially the first day of school. We're running late and I didn't have time to brush my hair. So I brought my brush with me to class. I'm in homeroom and the teacher leaves and this one kid immediately starts in on me, talking about, why are you always brushing your hair? To which I reply, because of not to take care of myself. So shut the fuck up. He then takes my brush and the kids start passing around the classroom. This one kid takes my brush and puts it inside his book bag and I try to grab it. As I went to go get it, the teacher walks in and I try to tell her, that's my brush, that's my brush. And she said, you have no hair to brush. So I spat in her face. I got expelled and my dad kicked my ass when I got home. I was 14, crying like I was five. I have this theory, no matter how old you are, your parents beating you will always make you proud. We moved to a neighborhood that had a lot more black people, that had a lot more space, for a lot less money. I promised my parents I wouldn't do that to them again, that I wouldn't put them through the embarrassment. They understood why I did it, but what's probably worth being coupled with embarrassment. And I sort of agree with them. So I say, okay, at least I get to keep my pride.
1: Nice job, Sam. All right. Thank you. Well, well, well done. Really well done. This is kind of interesting that you did that because my next question um, was about your childhood. Uh, Yes, sir. Because we didn't really talk about your childhood when we were together uh, for Bar Radio episode. Um, Can we explore your childhood a bit now? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. so, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Harlem
0: until I started living with my dad in Brooklyn. And until I got into too much trouble and I had to go back to the Bronx to live with my mom. So, I was in three boroughs.
1: Well, oh, like wow, six, you all over. Like, so, so this like monologue that you just did, is it does reflect kind of the feeling of your childhood in any way? A little bit, a little bit. Because there was one time... Just as I was going to, I was going to
0: uh, a public school, MS117, right? It's in Brooklyn. It's on Ken Ken and Willoughby, right? And I kept on like every year, like I got, I got suspended for some dumb shit. And 2006, I got suspended like before Christmas, so I didn't get any Christmas presents. For some reason, I always got suspended around Christmas time. 2004. Except two thousand five, I didn't get suspended in school, but two, This was the year. This, this was the year I got suspended. So I went to my grandfather's house in Jersey, which I always did, because he had a nice house and he had cable. Not saying that we didn't have cable, but that was like a thing that I did every year, right? And I come back and I found out that I had to go. I had. I started private school the following day. Which was fucking absurd to me because I wasn't they. They made executive. They made executive decisions about my life without me sitting at the board table, right? So the following day, I go to I go to this private school. I'm dressed in uniform, mind you. In public school, you get to wear. You have the choice of wear uniform or regular clothes. But I was wearing regular clothes. So now I feel like I look like a dweeb in uniform, right? And so now I had to sit in front of the classroom amongst like 20, 20 kids that I don't know, right? And it was a small private school. So like the sixth, seventh and eighth graders were in one class for some odd reason, which didn't make any sense. We all did the same, we all did the same type of work, right? And the, t- the teacher walked out the classroom for some odd reason, this coincides with the damn monologue. And one of the kids was like, yo, you want friends? in my head I'm thinking that like they trying to play me and like who the, what type of question is this, what type of person what type of child acts another child if you want any friends in New York City right so my response was I don't want no fucking friends right I was a dick I was the dick in the situation which was like deserve it was very deserving the, the way I got the, the way I got treated, right so I went home later that day and I was upset my mom, my stepmom at the time—well, she's still my stepmom, right? She's like Sam. Uh, I was playing music, right? She's like Sam. You should turn down the music, and I did turn down the music. And I closed my bedroom door, and my—and I was kind of upset because it made no sense for her to be home right now. She should have been at work, right? But she's home after I come home from school, which was pissing me off. So now she's talking to me, and and like. I don't know. I just snapped, and I like, uh, I had chased her with a knife inside the room, and like she ended up jumping off the roof. But I didn't do anything to her. I swear to God. I swear she's still alive. I didn't stab her. I didn't kill anybody. I ended up stabbing the wall like three times because I was so frustrated that I was in a new school and stuff like that. Wow. And I don't. Yeah. Dude, I, I feel like this is. I'm really. I'm not really giving myself justice here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounded like you were, you were a very angry, young. How old were you at this time?
0: How old was I? I was thirteen.
1: Thirteen. All right. You're, I mean, yeah. You're a young teenager. You got a lot of hormones kind of running around, and you were, you were kind of uh, upset. Uh, clearly, you're not that way anymore. At least you don't. No. You don't seem to be angry. No. Yeah. because I find
0: I found the outlet for my frustration
1: and the outlet is working is, out is working out right
0: Working right. out and training people and playing video games and this and acting right I right. can channel my frustration into the into the masterpieces.
1: I, I remember when
2: we were working on the last show at the prison uh, fathers and sons and I remember I tell, kept telling Sammy I mean, he needed to get angry he says rich I don't get angry anymore
1: <laughs> wow because it sounded like when you were 13 14. Fifteen, six, whatever—that you got angry. You were an yeah. angry, angry teen.
0: Yeah, I didn't know why. Yeah, I think it was—it was. I think it was puberty. You start. Get, you got a little bass in your voice. You get one chin here. Yeah. And a little bit of muscle, a portion of your veins. Yeah. And, you know, you just want to take the world.
1: So why do you think you got suspended right around Christmas all the time? Was this something that you chose to I do, don't. or?
0: I don't know, man. I'm still trying. I'm still, I'm just as baffled as you are. I'm trying to figure that shit out my damn self to this day.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That didn't make any sense.
1: Right. You got into big trouble when you were 16. Yes.
0: Yes. I had uh, committed two crimes in the Bronx, which ended up, uh, I ended up going to Rikers Island for like two months and and I had a program, an outpatient program. That I was doing, and the month that I was supposed to graduate from the program, I ended up catching another robbery or doing another, committing another robbery with two of my friends, and and I, and I got locked, uh, knocked, or locked up for it, and now I'm I'm just now coming home last year. So, right, you um,
1: you've been out for about a year now.
0: Yeah, a year. A year and two months.
1: Right. Right. No, a year and uh, no, I'll only been home
0: for a year and a month. Thirteen months.
1: When you when you think back on uh, the time when you were sixteen and you were doing these illegal actions, do, I mean, did, did you think about that? About why you did that and how you were influenced to go in that direction? And
0: when I was in prison, I, I guess I had you have a lot of time to reflect when you sit in, in a cell all day. 23 hours a day sometimes, depending on where you're at, or 18 hours a day, I was like, okay, I kind of figured it out. I was trying to fit in with the wrong people and afraid to be myself. So I guess that always comes down to it when you're a teenager. We always do things that we normally wouldn't do because we're afraid to be perceived a certain type of way amongst our peers. And some of us do it. And some of us do it to this day. Adults do it now. Some adults are worse than children nowadays.
1: Do you stay in touch with those people, those guys that were influencing you as a young, as a young teen?
0: No, no, no.
1: They're not in your really? life anymore.
0: No, no. Because when I went, went out, when, uh, when I was doing the time, the people that I was hanging out with, they, nobody did, nobody reached out to me. So. I had to do it on my own, like family, and I made new friends in prison. Everybody's like, you know, everybody that I've encountered was or is a positive influence on my life. So, like, people are still inside. There's a couple of people that are still in prison that I talked to that I send money to or pictures to. Some people, I have a friend who came home in, what was it, August, and, like, we met up, we worked out, he got a job. And I may be working in the same job as him soon, you know. So it's like it's like a small circle of us that we, you know, we stay connected. We talk to each other to check up on each other make sure, you know, we're doing good. I have another friend that I was real close with in Otisville. We used to play Scrabble together, and he used to beat me a lot. His name, his, 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 his name I'm going to give him a shout out. His name is Richard Lazzarini, but his name is Ali. But I call him Aliasa. We call him Aliasa. I call him Lord Aliasa because he's mad fucking smart, And it just seemed like Lord is such a good name to add in front of a good, you know, title to add in front of Aliasa, right? And he walks dogs and stuff like that. And now he just got his apartment somewhere in the Upper East Side, rich motherfucker, right? Excuse my <laughs> language, right? That's my friend, so I could talk about him like that. I'll tell him to <laughs> his face too, right? And so the other day, like, you know, that's one person I guess I can say understands me or gets me to a certain degree. And, like, you know, he understands the struggle. Like, I, I, I keep him in the back of my head as my motivation because, you know, we were in college together. If I needed help, he helped me. And he has a way of, like, putting words together and really articulating himself in such a way that makes you – uh that challenges your own beliefs and, like, your your th- your thought process. And stuff like that, and I and I and I and I and I appreciate the camaraderie that have that I built with him and my other friends because now outside it's not the same. You really don't have anybody to lean on because nobody really understands the struggle that one goes through is going through every day or, or has been through, and people are just not on the same type of time.
1: Right. As it- me. When you were at, um, oh, you were at uh, Koksaki prison. Yes. You were in prison for about what, four or five years, right? From no, 16... I, was, I
0: did. I did prison. Uh, I was in prison for nine years. Nine, nine years. years, four months.
1: You started at sixteen, and you were very young when you were at Koksaki. Uh, you talked yeah. about having a small cell, up to 18, 20 hours, just isolated by yourself, not allowed to talk to anybody. Um, you yeah. You have to sneak. Conversations with other buddies. You spent a lot of time doing push-ups in a in a yeah. cell in which you could touch either wall if you put your hands out. And then you moved to Otisville, which was very different. Maybe you talk a little bit about that that period at Coxsackie. What was that like? Oh, Coxsackie was uh, when you remember
0: the movie Shawshank Redemption?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So when when I pulled up, like we was on the bus at this, I was seventeen. Uh, it was March. I remember it. I went upstate March first. 2011 from Rikers Island. That March 10th, right? I got packed up from Downstate, which is the intake, and I went to Cassackie, right? So we on the bus it was like a two and a half hour ride, maybe we were shorter or longer, right? You never know. Anytime you're going someplace new, the ride for some reason always seems longer than it is.
1: Yes, it right? does.
0: So I'm on, we on, we on the bus to Cassackie, and I'm getting off the bus. I'm handcuffed to this old dude, right? when you're young, old old men always want to talk to you. They're either trying to, like, you know, son you, take you under the wing because they feel like they don't have children or they can make up for what they did to their children or they just trying to, like, you know, fuck you or something like that. So excuse the strong language, right? But I I was like, man, I don't even know. I hope this isn't, like, Shawshank Redemption. So we in like in the intake and from the first like people on the bus, like a lot of they had like 2005 numbers or 90 numbers or 80 numbers. And they've been in prison for like 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, five years. And they've always heard about cat Saki or they were in cat Saki in the 90s when it was gladiator school. And it's like it's not like that anymore. But don't truck around because the police will beat your ass. Right. So I was in Kasaki for like 22, 22 months. Right. And my first, they always send you to uh, F Gallery. F Gallery is the intake gallery. Right. And I remember one day we going to the yard. Right. And I'm um, being, being young. I don't understand like the rules and regulations, but you have to learn fast. You have to, you, they tell you at the intake and you have to absorb all of this. But you have to like go through like my paying attention to the surroundings or just going through the bad stuff on your own. So one day we was going to the yard and I was online. We were leaving F Gallery and I turned around and I was looking at the clock to see what time it was. And the CEO was standing under the clock and he's like, what the fuck you looking at, crack baby? Go back to your fucking cell. I was like, damn, I'm not even a crack baby. I didn't say that out loud because he came, he, they'd have pulled me over. They'd, they'd close the door, they'd pull the pin, and like six SEALs would have came down and whooped me half to death. So I just went to my cell. And that was like my first negative experience. nothing but negativity in Kasaki, right? I almost got beat up by SEALs before. You know, I got tickets for things that I didn't do, right? So it was hard. Then from Kasaki, I went to Sing Sing, which is a Max A correctional facility. Right, Casacu was a Max B, so which means it was a uh, lower classification. I just had the opportunity to go to any prison that I wanted to. But I've heard so much about Sing Sing, I was like, why not? I went down to Sing Sing. I was there for two years, and there felt like Sing Sing. You had rec three times a day, right? It felt like you was in New York, because everybody, all the most of the seals were from New York. Like when I say New York, not the state. I'm talking about New York City, the five boroughs so or four. Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx and Harlem. We don't say Manhattan, we call it Harlem for some reason. Right? (laughs) And that was, I had ups and downs. I kept getting in trouble in that prison because there was so much to do. And I was still young. So like, I'm still trying to fit in. Then one day I had gotten packed up because the more tickets you catch, the more disciplinary infractions that you have in prison, the higher in classification. The higher your classification goes, so I went from a max B uh, status back to a max A, and they sent me to Comstock. Could I stop Tom you for stock. a second?
1: I stopped What What do you get a ticket for, for instance?
0: Uh, I got ticket for fighting. I got well, in Sing Sing, I got a ticket for out of place and lying. Ticket for uh, disobeying a de- direct order. I got a ticket for fighting. I got a ticket for tattooing. I got a ticket for uh, smuggling. And bringing contraband into the prison, I was—I was an asshole. I was young. I was young and stupid, still trying to fit in, right? Um, that rose my classification. I ended up in Comstock, which is like in the center. You know how you look on the map of New York, and you have at the right, you uh, the the edge of New York is connected to like Boston, Massachusetts, and like all those New England states. Comstock is like. Five to six hours away from New York City, and it's cold. It's really cold right now. It's like forty degrees right here. It's probably like <laughs> twenty degrees, maybe in the teens up there. I remember my first day outside in Comstock Yard. Right, I, I we were standing outside. It was probably like five degrees, or like, but with the wind chill, it probably feel like four degrees below zero. We standing the we standing outside waiting for the. uh waiting for the CEO to open the rec pen. And there was this one dude. He was on a, a gallery with me, right? Intake gallery. And like two, like three dudes came up and they roll up on, they, they ran down on him and they shanked him, which means they stabbed him up. They stabbed him like four times. I was like, oh shit. It got mad real. I've only been in the jail for like a week, right? And he tried to stand next to me and I moved away from him because I didn't want that. I I wasn't built for that type of action yet. I want no problems. I didn't want any type of smoke or whoever stabbed them. Then we went inside the waste shack and, you know, the CO find out about it. But Comstock was the most violent prison I've ever been in. To this day, you can walk, you can go to the yard as a CO, a civilian, or as a person in greens and just walk around the yard and you'll see blood. You'll see blood on the concrete.
1: Wow. Wow. Right. Soldiers, after being in battle, they suffer from a thing called PTSD. Uh, I wonder, do you have any kind of flashbacks to that period of time? Do I have?
0: Uh, I don't. I don't want to say flashbacks. Sometimes I'm kind of jumpy, or like, like when you're a you develop a sixth sense because you can feel that you can. Go to the yard, or you can feel the tension in the air. Like it's like a spider, you know how Spider-Man has spider senses. Like once you like really in tune with like the prison lifestyle and culture, like okay, you can feel you don't have to talk to anybody. You can just read the room and see, okay, something is about to go down, the CO is not in the good mood, and somebody's about to get hurt. So I wouldn't, I guess you could say maybe a mild case of PTSD sometimes. I don't really like people standing behind me for too long or standing in front of me. I always look over my shoulder at night when there's like a group of people or sometimes if I'm not paying attention, I see like they could be standing in front of me and I could look up and I get started real quick. But you no, know, sometimes I say when people experience some sort of uh, trauma that they, they don't think about it anymore, they just put it deep in their subconscious and, you know. I guess that's what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think
0: about it, but I try not to think about it too much. Right, it's,
1: it's terrible. I wanted to um, get to the point where you got to Otisville, which was the last oh. prison you were oh, in, and where I'm you sorry, all, met Richard.
0: I'm sorry, I'm over here taking you through my prison journey. Okay, from <laughs> that's okay that's from good. Comstock, my classification dropped. Then I went to Green Correctional Facility. Uh, I was there for. T- I was there for 22 months as well. I ended up doing college. I acquired 21 credits. Then the John Jay program happened to come around. I was like, yo, I can't be in this prison anymore. I signed up. I got accepted for John Jay, which was in Oldersville. I ended up doing the John Jay college. Ended up acquiring 23 credits. By the way, I'm an honor roll student for all your listeners. Right? And last <laughs> year, uh, it was, it was, what you call it? What was it April? Around April, no, no, but no, it was dark out. So like the end of February, March, that's when I signed up for the uh, theater class. But I didn't see, I didn't see Richard right away. I met Francesca. It was either like the first week or the or the first two weeks. Richard was there. Something, something about getting a sex change or something like that. I don't know. That's what the guys Uh, told me. I was (laughs) in
1: Ireland. All right. Right. What was it? What was it, Rich? I was in Ireland.
0: Yeah, I, he he brought us some good tea. It was, right. it was some right. it was authentic, right? right. <laughs> and, is that is that when you first yeah, met? Yeah, I had I, I had tea, tea no crumpets. The nervous guy, how you bring tea with no crumpets, Rich? No biscuits, <laughs> <know>. no cookies.
2: <laughs> I didn't right. have it on my gate pass. <laughs> yeah,
0: so and that was an understudy. This is when they were doing fathers and sons. I was like, when the hell am I? I did the practices with them, and I was getting kind of frustrated. I was like, y'all I want to be in a goddamn show? <laughs> So, lo and behold, one of the people who was supposed to be in the show, who was like the main act for the show, he didn't do it, right? I don't know, I guess he got cold feet. And I ended up taking the blunt of the work. Now, let me tell you about this guy Richard right here, right? It was so much, and I like, mind you I mean, we in college, I'm in college at the time, this is like midterm. I have, I'm taking two classes, uh, English, creative, creative writing class, 201 or like 231 and an Africana Studies class 101. However, she teaches it like a 300 level course, right? So now I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing essays back to back every week and he gives, he's like, okay, huh, okay, young man, here's the script, here's the monologue, you got this, this, and this. Oh, and by the way, you have to do the opening, is like six opening monologues, six or seven opening monologues that you have to do and you have to memorize, Right? I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, okay, I got this. And I looked over it in my in my cube when I got back. I was like, yo, oh, I ain't got this shit, man. And one of the people, uh, his name is uh King, but we call him Yum Yum. He got a big he got a big nose like a uh like a gremlin, right? We call it the sexual apparatus. He got a sexual apparatus nose.
1: You can censor that out
0: for the listeners.
1: I'm not right? censoring anything out. This is going up as uh, an, <laughs> uh, <an> ex- okay <laughs> okay. No, that's what I'm talking podcast. about. Want to keep, no, no, it's too late.
0: Keep, we going to keep this raw and uncut, right? Yeah, you, there you go. Don't try. Shout out, yeah, shout out to King if he's listening listening to this. I hope he is. His nose looks like sexual apparatus, right? <laughs> However, he was uh, one of my main motivators. Him and Christopher Lee was like, yo, you got this, man. So the following week, the following Friday, Rich became the class. And I had Rich was like, yo, you got this? I was like, I don't know, man. Uh, I think this is too much. He's like, nah, it's not too much. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, yo, bro i I got fucking college, and I'm doing shit right now, man. I'm doing a lot of things right now. Okay, it's, it's good. It's, I think this should be good enough that I'm coming to class every Friday, Rich, and I'm doing a monologue, right? A long ass monologue, right? <laughs> God damn, that monologue is long. But uh, we got we got to the point where it really worked out, where everybody had to do their own opening monologue. It was beautiful, right? And you know, I'm happy for that, and I got. I got uh, got to do the show, and I think I still remember my line. Is that, hold on, forgive me if I if if I if I if I if I tank it. It was one of my aunts once told me that I reminded her of my father. It really pissed me off at first, but in a way, way, it made me feel kind of good. Now how fucked up is that? Feeling good about being like somebody that you always hated. I guess I guess I never always I never hated him. But I did wait for, but I did wait a long time for him to show up one day. I can't remember. That's how far. That's only. That's how far I got. Oh, that was not uh, bad. It, was it's, not bad. It's, it's there. It's there somewhere. It's there. And my name is Eddie, not Ed. Ed. Right, Eddie. Well, you know what? Right?
2: The nice, the nice thing about that whole story was that when Sam came to me that day and said, "Look, I can't memorize all this," and I thought, like, okay, I had to listen to him because I, I knew what was going on. Um. The, when I had gave me the idea to have each man introduce his own scene, and it turned out to be an improvement to the place, so you know yes. you gotta, you got to listen to your actors sometimes they know more than you do, yes
0: yes.
1: <laughs> and sometimes a mistake becomes better than what you originally thought you were going right. to do it did work out beautifully, yeah, yeah, we're at that point where we need another monologue here from sam before we before you, we do that uh, i I know that um you work as a um as a trainer, as a sports trainer, uh, how's that going for you?
0: I would like to. I would like to lie and tell the general public that is going is going awesome, that I have 20 clients and that I am making top notch money. But I will not do that. I will not mislead the people. It's it's hard because being that you know, I mean, I'm in New York, right? A lot of gyms closed, and I'm in Tribeca. So a lot of people, you know, who have money aren't like they moved away you know, to other states or they're just not in New York or they're not, they don't have work right now. So it's hard. At least I have a job now and other people while others are still like, you know, looking for one or just suffering. So I, I, there's no parts to complain. I'm still working now. And I still have like two or three people that I train that have a lot of sessions left and they're doing good.
1: Well, I can uh, say that if anyone's listening to this podcast, you can contact Richard or myself at uh, prisonmonologues at gmail.com, and we'll put you in touch with Sam, who's a terrific, a terrific coach, I hear. Okay. Yes, I am. I'm one of the best. I'm here. <laughs> okay. I have
0: I have a seven-year-old client named uh, Rebecca. Uh, shout out to Rebecca. Uh, she probably doesn't want me to put her name out there. Uh, she, she did pull-ups. I got to do pull-ups. Wow. At 70 and dips and, and, and push-ups and stuff. She's she's awesome.
1: Excellent. Can you do a monologue for us so we can finish up oh, our conversation? All right. Please. Uh, okay, this
2: is a- interestingly enough I just want to tell you about this monologue. This monologue is from our new show which is opening on December 5th called Inside Out. And this is a section called uh here in prison and it's three three different guys uh, doing the things that that they did to in order to cope with being in prison and and not surprisingly, Sam's big uh, go-to was was exercising and working out and bodybuilding. And so when he's doing this monologue in the show, he's actually lifting weights while he's doing this whole thing.
1: Actual so weights.
2: Actual weights. He w- doesn't have the weights today. But, you know, Sam, since, yes, we since we can't see you, we can only hear you, like l- let's act as if you are doing the weights. Because when you lift those weights, sometimes you can barely get this monologue out. And that would be fine. All right?
0: I'll try my best because it's cold okay. out here.
2: Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. So use the cold instead of the weight.
0: Okay, okay, Rich.
2: This
0: there's, there's something about Richard. If I ever became a rapper, I would I would name my rap album after him because there's something about Richard putting me through this type of stress out here. All right. Okay, mind you, I'm doing push-ups out here in the cold. I'm touching metal. All right. It's hard to envision the inhumane conditions of the inside of these eight by 12s. But when you're stuck in a system doing life in these prisons, it becomes painful in these coastal cells surrounded by gangsters, Macs, killers, and big willies who slung cracks, watching out for M.O.s and pigs, copos, and rats. Young kids coming through trying to get reps in these places, screw facing, fronting, putting cuts in each other's faces. I hear the same crap from these lames on the gate. Talk about guns, drugs, drama, three kids bids, but they still go home to live with their mama, waiting for Saturday, praying that the
2: crime can hit, so he can break, so he can break the law. A sack of that excited shit. All right, great, nice job, Sam. And I, I didn't want need for you to get down on the ground in the cold, but thank you for doing that. It sounded terrific. <laughs> you did a great job with that, Sam. Great job. Oh, and you did it Great without job. the script, did you not? Right?
0: Oh, I would, I would like to. I wish I could lie to you.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> Right. At least I know you got your script with you, which impresses me. Good. Because <laughs> yes, I'm not a neophyte. That's right. You are not a neophyte. Are, Never a neophyte. You're
1: certainly not. Sam Johnson, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on Prison Monologues. This was a peripatetic interview. Ooh, here's a word, Sam. was parapatetic? It means you were walking around while you were talking.
2: Ooh, oh, parapatetic. That's going to be your word from now on. Yeah. Perip- I- uh, 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 it's real peripatetic.
1: Right. <laughs> that'll be the title of, of this uh, episode. Sam Johnson, peripatetic Interview, something like that. Right. When oh, we, I like it. When we get it up. Sam. Sam, it's so great to see you again. I still owe you a beer. Uh, I, I promised you one and no,
0: we no we owe you owe me and Chris for dinner.
1: I know you a dinner. Uh, Becky yeah, and I, congenre, Rebecca and I oof. owe you and Chris a dinner. When this yeah. COVID thing is over and we're all still alive, yes. you're invited. Hopefully, yeah. Absolutely yes. to our to our apartment on the Upper West Side. In uh what, what you're calling Harlem and we call Manhattan, so Right. <laughs> That's great. Sam, thanks a lot. Stay Stay warm.